welcome back to the Grid Podcast. Uh, I'm here with uh, Terry and Josh, as always. Welcome back. hey <laughs> Chuck Wagon Benny. Like, listen, subscribe, <laughs> comment, uh, uh, talk shit about us. I, I really, really don't care. Uh, I'm here, and I'm going to talk for 90 minutes. Well, maybe not all me for 90 minutes, but... Uh, here I am. So if you're listening, thank you uh, again for listening. Uh, if you're subscribing right now uh, or unsubscribing, I'm sorry about that. But uh, if you want to, go ahead and subscribe. And uh, as always, appreciate the listening. Was that a burp? Huh? That wasn't it was, it was my It was my breakfast that I ate this morning. Uh, did it taste really good? Oh, it was excellent. I mean, I'm surprised you weren't there. We invited you, but you didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Somebody yep. must have had your phone. That mythical invite that never came. <laughs> Did you check your <laughs> Gmail account? We're talking about a mythical invite. There's a couple of invites to mythical places that I've never been to and yeah, never well, received I mean, an invite. And one you was know, breakfast at the play in this morning. <laughs> I would have loved to have had a chicken fried steak and eggs and a half order of biscuits and gravy. How are you going right to put now? us on blast right now? Yes, it's a lot of food. How okay. are you going to put us on blast? I didn't put you like, on people blast. People are going to listen Terry to this did. two weeks from now and they're going to be like, Jesus, these fat people. Yeah, so listen to these fat assholes next to me i'm so full right now that three I eggs am sleep fourth meal chicken fried steak with sausage gravy it's like that taco bell commercial half order of biscuits I'm and gravy full. hash browns toast coffee uh, delicious well, yeah like multiple yeah. cups of coffee too. yeah, so yeah it wasn't just you know. oh good oh and by the way i had my eggs over medium uh thank you very much he uh, has grown I, up I, uh, yeah i can uh attest to that yeah yeah so See, the, the, uh, Ben yeah. likes his uh, eggs scrambled like a child. And his pancakes cut into the shape of dinosaurs. With uh, little sprinkles <laughs> in the whipped topping on top of them. Okay, so first of all, I never, never require my pancakes to be cut in the shape of dinosaurs. It's Just as chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah. But he also wants the, the waitress to... The dinosaur chicken nuggets are actually really good. ...cut up his food for him. <laughs> And then we hand them the plate. Okay. No, that's not what happens. Yeah. Here's but your mac do, and cheese. When I do ask for eggs, I like to eat my eggs scrambled at a restaurant. When he goes to a high-class restaurant, he say, asks for corn dogs. These guys give me shit, and they say, and fries. like, that's that's what a child orders. Like, a child orders eggs, their eggs scrambled. And I'm like, no, man, I, I, I like scrambled eggs. I, I don't I don't like the runny stuff in the eggs. I'm sorry. I don't. It's I, called I like yolk. Them, I like them all scrambled together. Well, I don't like my eggs with rooster cum, but I don't mind oh, uh, a little oh yolk God. going on in there. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Takes a dick to know a cock. <laughs> uh, that's the best. <laughs> I'm just... I'm sorry. This is stupid. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Oh, he likes his scrambled eggs, and then, of course, he likes his pancakes with sprinkles and shit while he's wearing his birthday hat with that yeah. fat... Fat, fat face. <laughs> Fatty, fat, fat. <laughs> Meanwhile, your, your uh, other best friend was at home with a half a grapefruit and some rice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This was back to you. It's, it's about you. You're like a wizard, doing, Harry. Doing the- <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Meanwhile, my invites you. are getting uh, burned. <laughs> not doing, not not getting the invite to a my, breakfast, so you're upset because you have an empty stomach right now. Yeah, my yeah. Uncle Chodo over here. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth meal. Best yeah. friends. Well, you know, if you listened last night, uh, you probably would have heard me invite you. I mean, I think Ben heard me. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. So, I, I mean, think I heard the invite. You know, you, you, you just ben did not shut hear. us off when uh, when we're playing Xbox with each other. You I know, was there. Muted. 
So none of that actually happened. Uh, we what? got owned at Warzone uh, eight straight. Uh, yeah, several times. Uh, and uh, we did have a uh, we did have help though on uh, a couple of games. But uh, help? I don't know. Yeah, I guess we were helping the other team. Help. <laughs> yeah. Here, take our cash. Yeah. Oh, you're. Oh, you, please. You need a gun. Take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let terrible. Me just bleed out. <laughs> yeah. So they do this ranking system on Warzone, where if you win, you get put up in higher ranking classes, and have to play against all these sweaty guys that just do nothing but play this stuff professionally. Yeah. Speaking of sweaty, I'm sitting between Terry and Josh. So if you could he's see he's like a, right a turd between two butt cheeks right now, <laughs> <laughs> sweltering. Yeah, it's a turtle head poking. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> this is grit. Yeah. yeah. So what else did you guys do today? Well, besides the massive breakfast that we invited you to that you didn't come to, no um, invite was sent. But continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last so, night, this was established last night. It was not, dude. Okay. So, no. This was a That is not what happened. Last night. Yes. See, what, you, what, what you're doing is you're doing what every single person in this world does. They create a whole new set of facts. Oh. That didn't happen. Are you saying that I'm building up a straw man? Yes. And <laughs> the straw the, man the, fallacy. The only fallacy that he knows. <laughs> and, yeah, and I'm going to. And he just that. reiterates it all the time. It is a good fallacy, though. Like, yeah. when you think about the straw man, it's like, you know, you're arguing about something, and then all of a sudden it's completely different. Hey, Ben, would you bring me a beer? Uh, straw man. <laughs> would you bring me a beer? I don't even drink beer wait what we were talking about you oh straw man (laughs) (laughs) if i only had a brain (laughs) don't call me straw man (laughs) so yeah and then you guys uh went to uh tybo at the y right yeah Yeah. tybo that's what it that's what it is it's actually called it's actually called muscle evolution yeah it's not dance dance Uh, revolution booty sweater but Booty, ju- uh, booty no, juice booty, workout? No, what? Gross. What do you guys I mean, do? for you, maybe. Yeah. I mean, jazzercise? But, um, no, no, man. Muscle evolution is like a, it's like a weight training class it at works the YMCA. Core. And the YMCA is unreplaceable. Un- no, unreplace a brew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was such a great video. Thank uh, you for... Yeah, sure. Thanks for making it's fun It's funny of me. because Ben was... Um, uh, he did a video for the Y... Uh, where they're trying to get members uh, to come. And there's been, yeah, my experiences at the Y are just so fantastic. That's the atmosphere. It's the culture. It's the people. It's unreplaceable. <laughs> I said, unre- I said uh, first of all, it should be irreplaceable. But, you know, I was like, man, I want to get this done in one take. I don't want to, I don't want to like record this over and over again. Because you can't so spell. Like, and, he, and he's like whispering. Yeah, because you and... can't spell joy without the Y. Oh, it was so. <laughs> the cheese just spelled yeah, out. And I, I think cheese was, was oozing. <laughs> faster than, yeah, was oozing faster than Terry's skin out of yeah. his shirt. Yeah. Hey, yeah. man, come on. It's, it's a muscle I tea. was asked, okay, would you record, you know, like, I don't know, a little clip? saying why you love the why so, so he went into his staff bathroom <laughs> yeah. and he's whispering into the camera whispering hello <laughs> yeah. is it me you're looking for because you can't spell joy without the why <laughs> flush oh, Unre- un- <laughs> unreplaceable oh my god and then they share it and like i, I don't know if he tried to hide it from us but like, i didn't i, I, I just it. didn't say anything oh know? we like, didn't have to it made its rounds on the interwebs, oh, and there's Ben. On the interwebs. With his blue shirt and his hat. Hat. Wearing my hat and just saying, hi. 
It's me. Ben's here. You can't spell joy without the Y. Come see me at Booty <laughs> Evolution Dance. <laughs> where we learned how to twer- twerk. Twerk. Okay, so this is kind of bullshit, though, because you're like, oh, we, we need to keep banter going. But, uh, hey, it's banter <laughs> equals let's roast the hell out of Ben. <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty much just some normal. Isn't it? No. Uh, it's the huge. We were just roasting me about not getting breakfast and a mythical invite. Well, we didn't roast you about the mythical invite. I, I, I decided not to touch that mythical invite. But, but Terry and I and you all know what we're referring oh, to. Oh, wait, 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 guys, guys, oh. seriously. Do you hear that? That's the sound of my stomach growling. Oh, oh. <laughs> I could sure I use some eggs the, right uh, now. cogs in your brain. I sure you use some. Would you eat them scrambled? No. Would you eat them on a train? I'm not a child. <laughs> <laughs> and I like my pancakes normal. Oh, disc-like. Okay. I, like, I like my pancakes normal, you, too. Chocolate chip with yeah, sprinkles. Yeah, I see what you're doing here, but no, it's, I'm not a child. I am very much an adult. Do and want, adults do like scrambled eggs. Do you want them to bring you out a crown? I'm really hoping that anyone, <laughs> and a balloon. anyone, someone will post. He also draws like, on, on, the, our, uh, on our food, podcast uh, and say, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'm going to eat scrambled mats. eggs, too. Well, I eat scrambled eggs at home. Yeah. I don't do it at a oh, restaurant. Wait, what? When I wait, make, the only okay, time wait, you'll have so, you should have wait scrambled eggs. Wait a second. So there's there's a, a time burrito. and a place to have scrambled eggs. So if you guys are eating scrambled eggs, it's in a burrito. Then you're you're just as and a burrito. Boyish as I am. Well, no, because I make them for my children, Man, and then I have what's left over. Yeah. and childish. Yeah. You guys, childish. listen. No, no, listen. If you eat scrambled eggs at home, you can eat scrambled eggs in a restaurant. You can eat sca- scrambled eggs on a train with green eggs and ham. You can eat scrambled eggs anywhere. Yeah, you can when you're making them for your children, no, I, and there's some left over, or as Terry said, okay. in a burrito. So, so yeah, so I eat scrambled eggs because I'm getting them from my children. No, you're doing it because you were at the play in and you ordered them, and they came out over medium. I did, yeah. but I told you that. I also told you that. Did I mean, I you should have saw you the look on his face when they said, "Oh, those should have been scrambled eggs." He's like, Ugh. "Oh no, there fine, was no look fine. on my face." I'll, oh, I'll my eat these God. just Man, so I can show everybody. Can you bring that. me some ketchup too? Yeah. Uh, oh, they brought the ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. I didn't use it though. God is my witness. I did not use the ketchup. I I used uh, Tabasco sauce, and it was delicious. Wasn't it, Josh? Oh, wait. I wasn't there. I wouldn't know. I I was there. I I thought about having a chicken fried steak and eggs, but it just didn't happen because my best friends didn't invite me. Where was the text? You could have said, hey, I was thinking about getting breakfast. You you guys were at uh, Dance Dance Revolution at the Y. Yeah, it doesn't last all day. At Zumba. uh, At Zumba. (laughs) Drinking your sparkling mineral water. (laughs) Your Fiji. What? Dude, that's not the Y. With all the rich white women. No, man, the Y is Aquafina all the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love me some Aquafina. (laughs) Best water by far. I, I have a membership at the Y. Um, oh no! Do you just so I can drive by there and <laughs> see where my money's going? Yeah, right. yeah. I consider it an investment. I do in your future. <laughs> so essentially, you're welcome for all those uh, weights and machines. Yeah, uh, yeah. Your handedly. <laughs> and this is grit. The series is called "Sinners Make the Best Saints." Uh, it's going to be a five-episode series in which we discuss uh, historical and. Um, uh, local centers who became leaders and uh, followers of Christ, people who uh, the modern church would, uh, or what you'd see on the TV, what they would uh, basically classify as uh, 
um, uh, you know, a center who, yeah, they found God, but they basically keep you in a little compartment because even in modern church, they kind of think your sins are a little too extreme, you know, to go back uh, and uh, to have any basis to preach to anybody. Um, in this particular episode, the, 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 the flagship of this uh, series, we actually are going to be discussing Paul of Tarsus, which is three words. Which is three words, Paul <laughs> yes. of Tarsus. But he wasn't always like Paul, was he, Ben? No, he was Saul of Tarsus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also three where words. Where is Tarsus? Tarsus is in uh, the Middle East. You know it, which country? Yes, it is south of uh, Turkey, and it is north of Saudi Arabia. And it is uh, west of Iraq. Are you staring at a map right now? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if he knew. Uh, isn't it isn't it uh, uh, well it's in uh, it's in palestine uh what made saul of tarsus so influential is the fact that he was a zealot um but the beginnings his uh, his beginnings were not like the disciples sinners make the best saints and winners make the best taints (laughs) (laughs) all right so so uh, explain to me i mean i you know like, like i said i'm very you know i didn't pay much attention during uh, my whole reign in Catholicism, but who who is Paul or Saul? So Saul, okay, so better call Saul. Better call Saul and his lawyer. Uh, no, so essentially, right after the death of Christ and the resurrection, there was a. This was during the uh, festival of Pentecost, which was um, basically a, another celebration after Passover. And the disciples uh, at this point were being hunted by the Sanhedrin. Why were they hunting them? <laughs> why are you laughing, dude? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know why I'm laughing. You know. I'm never editing in front of you again. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm just going to say this. Uh, uh, Josh and I did a, uh, a team editing session. And uh, <laughs> if you go back to pods one through three, you might be able to catch it. <laughs> so, so uh every once in a while well it's actually like every five seconds or so josh when he he takes a breath to reload it's like super deep and super breathy almost <laughs> <laughs> almost wheezy <laughs> what's up georgia wheezy <laughs> moving on up <laughs> All right, so that that's why I was laughing. But at any rate, he was taking a breath. We're, we're editing took, that. He purposely took a breath away from the microphone <laughs> so that that way it, w- it wouldn't catch his wheeze. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay, so he was being hunted. I'm editing this one, by the way. You fucking better. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I'm doing the editing, so I choose oh. what stays and goes. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. He was being hunted. So he was being hunted. <laughs> Nobody was no. Paul was not, Saul was not being hunted. The disciples at the time were being hunted by the Sanhedrin. Because no, who, Christ who, who are the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is uh the army of Santa who uh <laughs> full, no, full of elves no, and the Sanhedrin. Uh, Sanhedrin. The yeah. Sanhedrin was a uh the basically, you know, like Game of Thrones, they were yeah. like they were like the faith militant. But they operated under the full authority of the um, Pharisees who went out and they basically uh, exacted the justice of the old laws of the old covenant. Okay. 
So when Christ resurrected, uh, it bothered Caiaphas, who was the head, um, the head prophet of, of the Jewish people. Well, he's a priest, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Excuse me, the yeah. head priest. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, they, because Jesus resurrected, they tried to say that his body was stolen, yet it was Rome that was guarding the body. So when... Um, Ky- so Rome was guarding the, Jesus' body. Right. Rome was guarding the body because there was, a, there was fear of an uprising. And so, meanwhile, all of the disciples are preaching after Jesus walked the earth for 40 days and then he ascended. The disciples stayed in Jerusalem during the festival of Pentecost. It's the famous verse where all of the disciples spoke in all different tongues and um, essentially prophes- or they uh, prophesied Jesus' resurrection um, and was his return. The, was this the upper room bit? The upper room. Like tongues of fire on people's heads and shit. Well, on the disciples, but they yeah. weren't speaking in an angelic language like the Assembly of God tried to say. They were actually speaking in all the different languages because all of the people who were in Jerusalem at the time came from all over all over the right. earth. So they were speaking, you know, Swahili. They were speaking uh, Greek, Roman, uh, Germanic. They were speaking Chinese. They were speaking Hindu Arabic. and uh, Arabic. So there, there was all different languages being spoken by the disciples who, or, or Farsi, yeah, who yeah. did not yeah. know, who did not know those languages. So they just assumed it was uh, an angelic language, right? Because they didn't understand what they were saying, except for the language that they were hearing it in. And so what happened was, is there was. Uh, more and more apostles were showing up who had heard the words um, all over Judea of Christ. One in particular was named Stephen. Stephen was, uh, um, wasn't a disciple, although he did run with the disciples. He, uh, he was, a, he was a, a younger man who was very educated, and he was preaching, and Saul of Tarsus heard this man uh, preaching about Christ, and, uh, and Saul is also called a reference to Saul the Zealot. So he took the old law very seriously. He was a very wealthy man as well. He wasn't some two-bit guy. He he had a lot of clout. He was uh, he was known. But, uh, Caiaphas knew who he was. Yeah, he wasn't a con man for right, sure. No. Like he, yeah, he he was well educated. And so he actually and had very wealthy, very wealthy. And he had mm-hmm. Stephen. Uh, he had Stephen stoned uh, because he considered uh, St- Stephen's preaching as uh, um, uh, blasphemy. And then Caiaphas then hired. Uh, it looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the reason why we're laughing is I, I had to see what a little bit more information because I have no idea who Paul the Apostle is. Uh, and so I, I Google it, you know, Paul, Paul of Tarsus. And the image, and I guess it would just be a, uh, a painting of Paul the Apostle, <laughs> is this big bearded man. That looks exactly like Josh. <laughs> well, that should be my Facebook profile page. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god! <laughs> Whoever was painting that? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I the know. way that Terry held it up too. He just holds it up like basically in our faces and says, <laughs> like while while Josh is still trying to talk just holds it up there for us to look at yeah yeah that it looks yeah. just like me it's great um so Saul, so Saul the zealot yeah so Saul the zealot uh had accused Stephen of being uh a blasphemer, and he was uh, executed by the crowd. The first one, right? First martyr, right? The first martyr of the faith was Stephen, and then um, Paul, or the excuse me, Caiaphas heard about this, and then actually hired Saul 
and gave him the full power of the Sanhedrin to hunt all of the Christians. And his, his goal was to find Peter and kill him. And uh, so Saul went on this quest and he started executing Christians and persecuting them and beating them so much so that his name, Saul the Zealot, spread throughout Judea and beyond and into Roman provinces. On, his, uh, on the uh, route to Damascus, trying to hunt because he had heard that the disciples were going to Damascus, he was on a donkey with the Sanhedrin and he encountered Jesus. Uh, and it made him fall off the donkey. Yeah, he fell off the donkey. And uh, and so then uh, he came in he, he with this encounter, uh, you know, like uh, scales were put on his eyes. He couldn't see. Uh, and as a result, uh, like he was he was taken into a Christian home, even though they knew he was uh, uh, Saul the Zealot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's taken into the Christian home. What was it? Three days? Mm-hmm. Three days. Because that seems pretty, pretty standard, pretty customary for that. And then, uh, you know, uh, basically, you know, through this whole process, through this whole um, experience, uh, he completely flipped uh, 180 on the the Old Testament teachings uh, and uh, I- I- anything that he had learned before that and decided to be a, a follower of Christ after Christ's death. Now, now uh, this was that movie that you had shown me, right, with the... Uh wasn't it wasn't about Paul the Apostle? Oh, uh, yeah, it's called uh, Paul the Apostle. That's what Jim Caviezel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, so that's uh, for you listeners. You know, I coming into this and uh, you know getting to know Josh and everything. I, I wasn't really you know following faith at all very much. And uh, you know, uh, Josh had rented this movie uh, Paul the Apostle and said, "Oh, you should check it out." You know, and you know, I'm not like, "Oh, oh God, it's another." Christy movies. It's another like another yeah, one of them uh, Jesus yeah. movies. <laughs> Waiting for that one guy from uh, the eighties. What was his name? Waiting for Kirk Cameron yeah, to show up. To be in hey guys, <laughs> thanks for watching my movie. I won't kiss anybody but my wife. Yeah. Don't get left behind. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> and make sure you're fireproof. Fire yeah. <laughs> but I'm watching this movie, and it, you know, it, I thought it was an excellent movie. Um, you know, uh, if even if you're agnostic or an atheist or whatever, check it out. It's a good movie. I mean, I enjoyed it, and you know, it's it really piqued my interest in uh, you know learning more about Christianity again. Yeah, and what's great about that movie is it really showed what Paul did while he was in jail and how influential Luke was. Um, so, in the movie, Luke is played by Jim Caviezel, but uh, the reason why Paul became that strong of a, of a follower of Christ was because when he encountered Jesus on the road and his worst fears came to, to life, which was I'm, I'm actually speaking against the Messiah uh, because up to that point, Paul probably didn't have the, the notion one iota that he was in the wrong. So when he did see Jesus in, in spirit and he fell off the donkey and went blind, it, it was that moment of, Oh my God, I have not only, persecuted Christians, but I persecuted the Messiah, the, the person who's been promised by Isaiah, by Daniel, um, you know, heralded by, you know, as far back as, um, you know, like I said, Isaiah and Samuel, uh, these prophets. And so he spent three days in pure loathing. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a, an easy stay. And then when he was uh, baptized and then he, he regained sight, he used his, uh, his zealot nature to uh, proclaim uh, the words and teachings of Christ. 
but not in a way that he did as Saul. That's why he took the name Paul. It, it was a complete transformation. And I think, you know, just stopping at that point, that's the important thing to understand the difference between how modern church views sinners versus how Christ viewed sinners. You look at his disciples, you look at Mary Magdalene, you look at Paul, you look at all the people who Jesus surrounded himself around and chose to spread the word, uh, his words, his teachings out to the earth. He chose people of very diverse backgrounds, but these people weren't, had no, you know, they were not innocent especially Paul had a lot of blood on his hands. I mean, this dude was a straight up murderer. He was a straight up fanatic. He, you could even consider him a, uh, uh, a racist in a lot of ways. And when he did see, I know fanatic, I, I understand the last fanatic in Tarsus. Yeah. Fanatic in T R S U S Taurus. Um, that should be the example of how church, uh, views centers, especially ones who have, uh, who have transformed their life. Paul's transformation was very extreme, but the reason why it was extreme was because Paul traveled more than any disciple. And you got to think that the disciples went as far as uh, Southern China, uh, Southern Africa, uh, Northern uh, um, uh, modern day Europe and into Russia. Uh, You see how far the disciples traveled. And then you got to think of how many, how far Paul traveled. And of course, Paul's travels were, you know, uh, zigzagging around up to Rome back and forth what four journeys yeah four yeah but uh you know paul traveled a lot and so they christ knew that he needed a zealot uh somebody who had the zealot mentality to keep going um in today's times and i've seen it firsthand and i know ben's seen it firsthand not so much terry but uh when when you see someone who comes from a great sinful background and they they are redeemed if they don't do those things that we talked about in the first series, if they don't have the church speak, if they didn't read the books that are supposed to enhance the Bible's teachings, they're not considered uh, among the Pauls and the, and the disciples in today's church. In fact, they're just, oh yeah, he has a great story and that's where they leave it. They're not encouraged to, to be the zealot that's inside of them. They don't use and harness the sins of the past for these people uh, to, to move forward the teachings of Christ and Christ himself chose the most sinful amongst his society. You know, I think that dichotomy, uh, that paradigm that exists now uh, completely falls away from the teachings of Christ. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to touch base or go back to uh, you were talking about Paul and the guilt that he had, you know, the loathing, uh, because, you know, it's like uh, this whole time I thought I was right and he realized he was wrong. Um, but can you imagine the amount of guilt then that he also felt uh, for the amount of people that he led down that path originally? It's like, absolutely. like where, you know, because he was charismatic, you know, you see that in his letters, uh, in his epistles, uh, in the New Testament, um, letters to the Corinthians, the Church of Corinth, um, uh, the church in Thessalonica, like you see these the way that he writes, he's, he's extremely charismatic and, and people would listen to him. People would follow him. It's not like he all of a sudden wasn't charismatic. He was this boring bump on a log when he was Saul, the zealot. Uh, and then he, he found Christ and Oh, all of a sudden I'm healed. I'm charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how it works. So I, I imagine that as many people that listened to him while he was uh, a zealot for Christ, uh, there were just as many, if not more, uh, that were uh, that were following him when he was 
uh, Saul of Tarsus, you know, so that the amount of guilt that he would have faced, not just because, oh, you know what, I'm wrong. I spent all this time persecuting Christians and poor Stephen, you know, like gets, you know, rocks crushed on his head. Right. Stephen was stoned. Yeah, he was stoned. So, you know, I mean, like he accuses Stephen and as a result of accusing Stephen, you know, that's when the stones start flying. Stephen dies under the stoning or it's assumed uh, because you, you don't walk away from something like that. Well, it was Stephen's famous line that said, I see the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Yep. And then he was killed. And, and, and yep. And then yeah. he, and then he passed. Yeah. So, so not only do you have the guilt of accusing someone and having their blood on your hands, uh, at that point he felt he was right, you know, but when he realized he was wrong, I can you imagine that that would have been three days of hell. Absolutely. Like coming back uh, in internally, you know, uh, I mean, the people that took him in and, and took care of him, they were cautious. They were reluctant, too, because it's like, OK, this guy is not well right now. But once he's able to see, is he going to go after us? He knows where we live. You know, can you imagine the inner workings of that family? Like how they're talking about, do you know what you've just done? You've just taken in Saul the Zealot. Do you realize what he did to Stephen? What's he going to do to us? You know, think about that. Like, think about the tension uh, during that three days where he was recovering. Like, what's going to happen? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was a, a piece from God about it. Um, but I, 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 I can't imagine taking somebody in knowing that they've killed uh, people that believe exactly the same way that I do and, and just thinking that everything's going to end up okay and everything's going to end up happily ever after because it, it usually doesn't happen that way. No. <laughs> No, and, and 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 like on the flip side of that, like you were talking about briefly, think about the reluctance of the people who not only healed him through Christ, but also listened to what he had to say. Uh, once he he uh, found Christ and and started to to profess the teachings of Christ, the early church. Uh, for those who don't know, the early church was not what what it is what you think of now, or even when you think of the Middle Ages, that wasn't early church. The early church of Christ was uh, done in the secrecy of back rooms. It was like, uh, you know, like basically ancient speakeasies uh, for believers to get together. <laughs> kind of what you'd see in China today with Christians. Uh, they were systematically uh, hunted, tortured. Uh, Nero was the Caesar at the time, uh, was uh, executing Christians, putting them in what he called circuses, where he would essentially feed Christians to different sorts of beasts. And it wasn't just limited to Christians, but... Christians were the were the majority because all of the problems of Rome were being blamed on uh, uh, early Christians. Yeah, and Nero was fucking crazy. Yeah, he was nuts. He uh, would watch people burn just for entertainment. Exactly. Him and Caligula. The, both of them yep. were, were insane. And those were the two uh, Caesars uh, that preceded Christ. Uh, and so when to be a Christian at that time was very dangerous. And uh, much like it is for m- much of the world today, uh, but yeah, not Americans, but right. Americans and, and Western world people have a different view of Christianity than, than the majority of Christians in today's world. Christians right now make up about 2.6 billion of the population on earth and Western Christians only make up 500 million. So if you can imagine 2.3 or excuse me, 2.6 billion versus, you know, 500 million. So our perception of Christianity is skewed. Uh, but much of Christianity today in the world is a lot like it was in early Christian times or excuse me, uh, uh, early times uh, post-Christ uh, uh, ascension. And so these Christians, and Paul lived in Rome while this was going on. Paul walked down the same streets of Rome that were being lit by burnt Christians on, on stakes. 
Um, so when Paul went to the early church, they were reluctant because not only were they being hunted by Rome, they were being hunted by the Sanhedrin. There was no safety for them. So here comes this guy that worked for the Sanhedrin, murdered Christians, uh, martyred them, and how are they going to listen to him? And I think that's where uh, uh, a man like Luke comes into play. Uh, if yeah. you don't know who Luke was, Luke was a Greek. He was a, he was a Greek man. He wasn't a, a, a Middle Eastern man. He was also a physician. He was a very smart person mm-hmm. and uh, was, was wealthy. Uh, his hands were, I believe in the Bible, uh, it, it says that his hands were not calloused. So he was a very uh, well-off person who you know, performed a lot of uh, procedures. And he was an early Christian in secrecy. And the church that, that Paul arrived to, uh, one of the largest churches, uh, underground churches that he arrived to, was extremely reluctant to hear his words, and rightfully so. It was Luke that, was, uh, that got the word of God to follow Paul and to leave his wealth and leave his practice and leave everything he knew to walk with, with Paul, write a lot of his letters, and also write one of the four Gospels. So that reluctancy, um, the reluctancy is valid, but the acceptance of Paul happened strictly because of people like Luke who heard him. I mean, one of uh, Paul, uh, Paul's most famous writings is, uh, you know, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, the emphasis, and of course, it's so overused, especially in today's weddings, but uh, his preachings on love. First Corinthians chapter 13. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I think every every religious wedding has that. But the greatest of these sweating. is love. And sweating. <laughs> knees locked. Mom spaghetti. All right. Yeah. He's nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whew. Sweating. Yeah, the greatest of these is love. But yeah, I'm, I, it's overused today, you know, or whatever. But I mean, think about, you know, I mean, think about the impact that, it, that it's had, you know, over the last, you know, 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Now, wh- now, let me pose this question. Why do you think there's such a disconnect uh, between uh, the Western Christians and uh, the Christians in the remainder of the world? Money. Prosperity gospel. Yep. Prosperity teaching. Uh, in the Western world, we have, um, we've benefited off of, econ- you know, great economies. We've benefited off of um, positioning and industry. And with that, influences everything all the way down to our core, which happens to be faith. In the Western world, we become so comfortable in, in our sedentary lives where we can buy things out of convenience um, that we we don't have to live in the harshness of the world uh, that 75% of everybody else lives in. And so as a result, and a result in our comfort and our prosperity, we don't, we don't have to rely on faith as much to get us through. We can, you know, all of us have a job where we work 40 plus hours a week. We all make good money. We all have degrees. We all have homes to live in. You know, if we're hungry, we just need to go to McDonald's or go to the store. And so when we, ha- when we don't have to pray for our next meal, it almost becomes superficial. Exactly. Like exactly. it's like, so, so then, so then, you, so then it's like you make up problems to pray about, you know what I mean? Oh, my car wouldn't start, you know, like I've talked about that before. My car wouldn't start. Oh God, please make my car start. Or, you know, like, oh, oh God, there's this guy at work that, you know, like I really don't like. I just wish he would go to another department or uh, leave. Is that, is that you? <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, 
but that's what I'm saying. Never mind the fact that you have, you know, transportation to get to work. Running you water. have a job. You you have a source of income. Uh, you're healthy. Uh, you have a family. You know, I mean, like all of these prayers that 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 people pray on a daily basis or an hourly basis in some other country. Not even a job, but just just to be healthy, just to drink like clean water mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is a prayer need, but it's not a prayer need here. And so, you know, what hem- happens is, you know, we become desensitized to all of the, the wants and needs that we receive that we don't even have to pray for that, 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 you know, when we do pray uh, most of the time we get caught up in praying for things that are either wants Wishes. or are completely Wishes. superficial. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, they call it a vending machine God here yeah. in the Western uh, world because we we put our prayers in and we expect results um you know like ben said you know when we pray for that raise or we pray for uh us to win the lottery or we pray for um you know oh god if if i can just get this internet to work you know it's like yeah it, it's stupid things like that whereas people who are brought up in a purely theocratical society uh who views your religion as something wrong uh or something evil uh, you know, it, it, it all goes back to in a Western world, we have come to believe uh, through modern church that the, um, the money is the root of all evil. But that's not true. It's actually the love of the money. Love of money. Yeah. And um, when we love money, uh, it becomes this, our source. It becomes our God. It replaces that relationship with Christ, which is why Christ was pretty clear is to be as generous as possible. Um, in our hardships, we, you know, we get perseverance. And perseverance is is the is the cornerstone of faith. It's the it's what gets us through. And when we posh our lives with the most comfortable way of living, um, there's no need for God. And then we start to think superficially about the that there is no God or the existence of God uh, isn't there. And it's because we have this sort of uh, self induced high you know moral high ground where we think we're so educated and we think beyond the existence of a creator that we then phase that creator out. When in fact, the majority of Christians live in harsh third world conditions and the faith in Christ gets them through. And there's a reason why in third world and second world developing nations, uh, Christianity is on the rise. It's because people receive hope. They don't get an easier life, but they get hope. And that's why even in the Bible and in the scriptures, it talks about people who live in perseverance, who the poor become rich and the, the humble become exalted in heaven. It's because those people who had to struggle through life in this life, they are experiencing the, the 80 or however many years they live on this earth. They're experiencing true hell. Americans like us and, and people who live in the Western world, we don't know what hell is on earth. Nah. We, we, we lose a loved one. We lose our job. We have to be on food stamps. So we think that's hell. It's not the, the, the term dirt poor actually comes One of the examples comes from Haiti where they would slaughter a, 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 a lamb or a sheep and they would, they would, you know, eat it, they would cook it, but then they would have to uh, essentially dehydrate the rest of the meat so it wouldn't go bad. And when that ran out, they would scoop the dirt that the blood uh, dripped from when they processed the lamb, and they would eat the dirt. Yep. And that's dirt poor. That's dirt what poor. it means. To get mm-hmm. the minerals and nutrients from that sheep that dripped into the ground, that would be like, and that would be meals for weeks. That's struggle. Yeah. Or going down to the, to the river uh, and you see a turd float by or somebody's laundry soap fl- or whatever they use in, in, in India and China. Uh, as you're scooping up, as you're scooping up a gallon of water to bring back to your, to, to your shanty. Exactly. Yeah. That's poor. So when you, when you, when you replace hardship and perseverance and struggles with, with, uh, 
with uh, easy living, with prosperity, with uh, convenience, you know, bubble wrap life, you start to lose focus on that need for God because our our needs shift, the focus shifts, and then it becomes more about comfort and per, and, and self um, self satisfaction, and then you remove Christ from that equation. So yeah, that's why we see it here going away more than we do in developing second and third world countries. What would you consider the uh, you know the Almighty Dollar you know you know that uh, with these new mega churches and everything? Would you consider that like? Uh, um, idolizing the dollar bill, like, uh, absolutely uh, false, a false idol. Absolutely, false idol. I mean, you know, Ben has been part of that system. That's you know, it became more of a business model than it became about faith, right? Oh yeah, for sure. No, they, it's 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 all about the money. Um, and a lot of times, it was important. You know, like even just as a youth pastor, it was important to uh, to reach out. Uh, to the individuals in the church, uh, the lay people in the church that would go to the church that had status, that had money, uh, to make sure that you had contacts with those individuals or you kept contact with those individuals so that way they would keep giving to the church. Uh, Like I was instructed, I was told to do so. Uh, It wasn't one of those things where it was, okay, so what about, you know, this individual, this individual, they're new to the church or, you know, they're, they're from the wrong side of the tracks, you know? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, when you have time, reach out to them, but, but uh, make sure you give the, uh, so-and-so a call because, uh, uh, they're going to be wanting to hear from you. You know, it's one of those things where it's like the, the attention and the time is shifted in, in the way of money so that, that money begets money. Uh, and I mean, it really is, is frustrating and, and that's not how it is, uh, you know, like in other parts of the world, but that's how it is in America. I want to, I want to go back, to, uh, like to talking about, uh, Paul, Saul, Saul, Paul. Better, well, we, yeah, we just Saul. we just had to um, set that that establishment. No, of, yeah. right for sure of of how different uh, American Christianity is compared to the rest of the world. Right, right. No, absolutely. But I want to go back to Saul, like uh, segue into it, and then I want to talk. You know, like obviously we want I, I want to talk about today's Christianity, but specifically the the Western Western Christianity that we were talking about. But with with uh, with with Saul. Like, okay, then three days later, converted. Nope, never mind. Psych, bitches. I'm for Christ now when I was killing in the name of, uh, you know, before. And now, <laughs> better do what they told you. Um, so, no, but, okay. I pose a question to both of you. You've got somebody that's been trying to kill you for quite some time. They've, they've killed, you know, a, a good friend of yours that maybe didn't invite you to breakfast or whatever. I'm thinking uh, about it. And, and then, and then what, three, three days later, uh, and he, he's all of a sudden the same guy that that's gone after a friend of yours or that's gone after your family or that's gone after close, like a close network of people to you. Uh, all of a sudden is like, no nah, man, I'm cool. We're cool. Like everything's cool. Right. Like, how do you guys, how would you, how would you respond to that? Now, I, before you answer, keep in mind, I mean, like we, you know, we're talking about Christ and Christ is love, you know, and everything else. And, and he did give us two commandments. So, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, like we don't hear a lot of this transition stuff in, in the Bible. All of a sudden we, we just read letters from, from Paul. We hear that he was Saul and then we read letters from Paul. There's very little in between, 
other than just, you know, like Luke speaking on his behalf and saying, no, man, he's a good guy. He had somebody to vouch for him, which was great. And everybody knew and respected Luke. But this guy, like, I'm sorry, just because a friend of mine comes up and says, hey, uh, this guy's pretty good. Wait, didn't he just didn't he just try to punch me in in the face like last week? No, fuck this guy. So uh, how do you guys respond to a situation like that? Well, you know, line of work that I do, you know, I I, I deal with, uh, you know, um, people that have bad lives, um, people that have been through the criminal justice system. But if I had to, if I had a person that would, that attempted to kill me or say shot me and they went to prison and then they come back or they sending me letters and saying, hey, you know, I, I, I found Christ, um, and I want to apologize and talk to you and everything. I would be very uh, cautious. Um, first off, I wouldn't believe him um, if something that major happened to me. Um, and, and, you know, the, when, when you're as posing that question, it made me think of an uh, article I read um, I want to say it was a couple of years, but it was a uh, it was about a highway patrolman that was uh, was shot, uh, shot in the head. He survived, uh, lost the side of his eye, or lost one eye, and the guy that uh, shot him was convicted, sentenced to prison, and he found Christ, and he was sending letters to this highway patrolman and saying. Just full of regret and very apologetic and saying, you know, I, I want to make amends for what I, I mean, there, there is no way I can, you know, uh, undo what I did. But I want to let you know that I'm very sorry for what I did. And after I read the article, it, basically the uh, highway patrolman and the uh, convicted felon actually met up and they, I guess, became pretty good friends. I mean... The guy was uh, following Christ, and uh, you know they they wanted to set an example, a precedent, basically, on you know. But if, well, from my my point of view, is that they they wanted to set that precedent that you know you you find a religion and you're truly sorry for what uh, you did. Um, you know, try to make amends for that. So, so, and, and I appreciate the answer, Terry, like, obviously uh, I'm going to uh, listen to Josh here as well, but I guess the cynical skeptical side of me says, yeah, fuck you and your apology. Um, but, but I also know that, that, that Christ is love and he would expect, you know, uh, in a situation like that to forgive, it, it would take a lot for me to do that. Uh, and, and I get it, you know, but I would, the skin, the cynical skeptical side of me would say, are you just going through the motions? Like, are you just trying to like, are you just trying to erase that? You're just trying to, or are you genuinely sorry? You know I mean? It, it would require some discernment and would re require some work on my part. And maybe that's why it would be so tough is because it would actually require me to feel something uh, when, when at that point I would just want to completely disassociate from this bastard. Yeah. And you know, I, I would, uh, I would feel the same way. I, I'd, uh, I, I'd be very cynical. I'd be very upset. Um, you know, uh, my line of work, I, I see a lot of people that 
that lie consistently and you know you, you get pretty good at um you know sorting out the bullshit that people try to tell you and I, I would approach it the same way if if the situation happened to me you know I, are you sorry are you just trying to say this to better you know better your position and uh you know um getting out into the world again and being a free man i mean yeah i'd be skeptical I got. I got. I guess I'd have to really understand if I were okay. So if I were living in those times where I had two foreign, and I shouldn't say foreign, but two government entities—one a theocratical government and one a, a totalitarian government—and I had all of their um, their law enforcement hunting me, and then here sits a guy who had the papers, he had the full authority of the theocratical government, um, also blessed by Rome, um, hunting me and my friends and killing some of my friends and um, doing all that. And then all of a sudden he is healed and shows up one day uh, and, and is preaching about love and wanting me to listen to him. You know, the early Christians at the time were the criminal. They were the guy shooting, you know, who had been accused of shooting the, uh, the highway patrolman. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to think of what I would do because I would, I would hope that the Holy spirit would give me that guidance at the time, uh, to get through it. But if it was like in today's time where the Holy spirit is just a conscience, you know, it's part of that conscience in you. It'd be hard, man. I, I I'll tell you what, I'd be the guy in the back of the room looking for the exit uh, waiting to hear him out. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, uh, I'd be skeptical. I would be, um, I would be angry, but at the same time, Christ had introduced a new way of living and dealing with enemies. And if I am putting my life and family on the line, family's life on the line, um, and to live by that new code, where is to turn the other cheek and to love your enemies and, and, you know, the rewards in heaven kind of a thing. It, it's, it's, um, I guess it's the way I'd live now. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'd hear them out, but there's no way I would just be like, you know what? You're redeemed. And I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. I definitely wouldn't do what Luke did. Uh, I'll tell you that. That's what I'm saying. That's my point is like, like initially, like I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would not have love in my heart for that man. Not at all. no, no, it, it would be hard. It, it, God, I even think about it now. Like, it, you know, if something so devastating happened to you by a government official that was assigned to make your life a living hell, and then all of a sudden he has a complete one eighty. I guess it'd be like you know, and I psych bitch. I'm your friend. Well, it'd be yeah. like on episode Just four. Playing. When, what did you learn when we when we talked about uh, you know the whole uh, uh, George Floyd situation? What if Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, uh, next year finds Christ or finds whatever religion makes him, uh, you, you know, unifies his conscience with with his behavior? What if he reached out to Floyd's family and, you know, tried to make those amends? And I think I would have the same sort of reaction uh, that George Floyd's family would have to Derek Chauvin if Chauvin were to come back and do that. Um You'd have to do more than write letters. Right, right. No, exactly. And I think that's what, I mean, the question was if that, if he just came out and did that, I would need to see Chauvin uh, not appeal his, uh, his sentence or accept his full term, his, his full life sentence. Um, 
you know, lay down uh, his life to, to make up for the lives he took. I think that that would be where I would, but uh, you know, like we talked about before, I'd be the guy in the back of the room looking for an exit. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, that's the thing. And, and regardless, uh, Chauvin could do anything. He could, he could, you know, like give millions of dollars to the, to the Floyd family or, or do, you know, millions of hours of community service. Uh, the, the bottom line is though, that at this point, the ball's in their court, you know, it's, it's, it's to them to accept or, or, uh, his his apology or or forgive him um but uh, nobody's asking for that at this point you know like chavin's not you know uh i i don't i don't know what his state of mind is or anything like that but it, it would still have to be met i mean because it, w- at what point do you put a price or a value on on a human life that was wrongfully taken you you, you know what i mean so like you know, well, with, think of the early with, church doing with Paul. That. That's yeah. what I'm saying with with Paul wrongfully taking Stephen's life or wrongfully accusing Stephen, which ultimately um, resulted in his untimely death. Uh, you know, like Stephen's family, Stephen's uh, um, fellow brothers in Christ, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, Stephen's community. Um, imagine what they were going through. You know, and and I wish, I wish there was insight on that. You know, because that would be an, that would be the ultimate um, textbook or, or or pioneer path uh, to what forgiveness is really like. You know, we read about forgiveness in you know in the New Testament, and it's like, how many times should you forgive somebody? Seventy times seven. It's like Jesus. That's easy for you to say. You know, I mean, come on. You are the epitome of love. You are quintessentially love. So, you, you know, yeah, you would forgive them. And, and I want to follow. I want to be like you. But do you realize how hard that is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, then he dies on a cross and sacrifices his entire life and his entire uh, physical being uh, for us uh, so that we no longer have to lay sacrifices and, down. And one of the last things he said before he died was forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. I, I, I wish I mean, and I strive every day to try to be like Christ. I, I I mean, as much as I can, I couldn't imagine having the the love for somebody to forgive them as I'm hanging on a piece of wood that they nailed me to after scourging me and beating me and ripping my Spinning flesh from my bone and everything, feeding yeah. me vinegar oh. and, and putting a, a potato sack on my yeah, freshly taunting. cut skin. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, it's something, it's something hard <laughs> to, to imagine, but the fact that early Christians did accept Paul's apology and they did um, move forward uh, with establishing that new covenant that Christ laid on earth. I mean, that speaks a lot. But then I have to think, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, think about uh, today's the Paul's antithesis. the an- antithesis. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't compare that whole scenario to today's Paul's. What? Um, you know, I went on a business trip a few years back and I, I sat with my boss and we talked about the scriptures and she goes, why, you know, why do we think that the scriptures are, are done being written? Why, why is it so accepted that the scriptures are the scriptures when the scriptures are unfolding in front of us today and they're being written today with today's Christians? So then you got to think if we have today's Christians and what about today's Paul's, the sinners in, in today's world that modern church would lift their nose to until they heard, oh, you're going to be a member? You're going to start tithing at our church? Well, hell, 
Come on down. Yeah, right. But today's Pauls, there that's, are, what, that's what a saint is in today's. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you look Ching. at yeah, you look ooh, at money. you look Status. at today's Pauls, and you think these sinners who have murdered, who have done drugs, who have self harmed or harmed others, whatever the case would be, they find Christ, they accept Christ, they be, they take that zealot that that zealous nature that that led them down the road of destruction, and they aim it to uh, to being a, a follower of Christ and and promoting love and the good news and, 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 and donating and feeding the poor and helping the sick and doing all those things. How would today's church, uh, you know, acknowledge that and not only acknowledge that, but put them at the forefront of their movement because we think, you know, God uses our sins of our past to strengthen our abilities to love others. I mean, ultimately that's the goal. So, you know, if we love others, then we love God. And I think that is lost in today's church. Here's how I think today's church would respond to that, dude. So like, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm sure I I've been guilty of this, uh, as well, but, uh, think about it, you know, like when you got, uh, three fat friends, you know, and, uh, all of a sudden one of them, you know, like decides to go on a diet and they start getting in really, really good shape. Uh, they're eating well and they they are starting to look really good. You know, you get the other two guys that are just like, man, fuck this guy. Like, oh, oh, he, he can't be fat anymore. He has to make right choices and healthy balance and and uh, live in my best life. YOLO. I don't know, know what and, three uh, uh, fat friends you're talking about. I know no, another I'm, fat friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> just making a just making a point here. What, what happens is and it, it's probably not amongst us, you know, like, honestly, I don't feel that from you guys. But you ever notice when somebody tries to better themselves uh, whether it be physical, spiritual, or anything like that, there's 90% of the oh, population. Haters, yeah, haters. Yeah, haters, man, like haters. And that's how I think today's church would be uh, to somebody that's like lived in sin and struggled in sin. And, you know, they, they wanted to they wanted to live right, but now all of a sudden they are. Like they they, they figured it out. They, they found their peace or they found their joy in Christ. And now they just, they want to live their life for Christ so then they start going to church, you know, and everything else, but they have this reputation behind them of, you know, like, uh, being this, this, uh, sinner, you know, like, or, oh yeah, that dude's out at the bar every weekend, you know, never comes home or he drinks too much or, you know, he's got a problem with pornography or whatever the case is, you know, that reputation precedes them. And so then you've got these, these, uh, you know, the people that you go into church with, I don't even know if I want to call them Christians, but the people you go into church with and your reputation precedes you and you're, they're still hating. They're like, yeah, right. Okay, you're just going to church because uh, you don't have uh, liquor money. Uh, so you didn't drink last night. You're up early and now you're feeling guilty for the last three months of you know sins that you decided to partake in. They're just straight hating. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden somebody like honestly wants to come to to an agreement with Christ and say, I, I'm going to, to, to live in love the way that you want me to i'm going to live the way that you've commanded me to live but you've got you know 90 percent of these people just like man yeah you know i uh you know i'm not trying to dog on these born again uh christians or anything but there's been a few and you know i said a, f a few not the majority but a few that i've come across that um you know they they just want the moniker you know, they just they just want the title of uh, being a born again Christian, and they want to still judge you for everything that you're doing. Like, okay, well, 
Bye. Yeah. That, that's, uh, I think that that resembles a lot of what the modern church tries to promote. You know, once you become a born again, there's a certain set of uh, standards that you now have to live by. There's a certain way that you have to judge others and you become quote unquote fruit inspectors. Like we talked about, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think you're absolutely this right. Sounds like a job for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. The low hanging fruit, though, yeah, Terry. Low. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, low hanging, low hanging. Fruit. Uh, but that's average a, hanging fruit. <laughs> but, but but that's exactly what would happen, and that's why you know, in the last series we talked about those issues with the modern church. Uh, we as followers of Christ, when we see somebody who had a very sinful past, whether they murdered or whether they did something you know totally heinous you and you see their life transform and and they become followers of Christ and it's not just something that they're trying to live with guilt you know they're trying to deal with guilt in a special way you actually see a real life change going on i think at that point uh it's those sins that that they had in their past that's going to define them as a christian and it's not in the way that you think i'm not saying it's going to define them as a christian like those demons are always going to haunt them cuz that that goes without saying i mean we live in a very judgmental society but what happens is and it goes back to that analogy about the addict becoming a, a therapist. You you see somebody who's murdered, who's raped, who's killed, you know, whatever the case is, and they become a Christian. Who do you think they're? Who do you think is going to identify with them? Yeah, it's their weakness that Christ turns into a strength. Exactly, and those and those same people. That, that's exactly what Paul did. Okay, so Paul then takes those sins that you know those demons that followed him, and he turned them into a strength. And even until his dying day, you know, he was still considered Paul the Zealot. And yeah, well, even I mean, the thing is, though, he didn't hide it, though. No, he didn't hide the fact <laughs> no. that he was a zealot. I mean, like you look at Romans chapter 12 uh, verse in there. I don't know. It's 12, 10 or 12, 12, 12. Uh, he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. So like the dude was like, OK, yeah, I get it. I I'm zealous. Uh, but. It's important, you know, that you're not lacking a zeal, but when you're not, when you're, when you, when you're zealous, make sure that you're zealous for the right things. Okay. Like, like I, I am never lacking in zeal, you know, like, but, but make sure that you keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. So like, you know, when it comes to being a, a zealot, like he was full aware of that. And like you said, he used that, um, or Christ used that to, to, uh, be a strength. Uh, for his kingdom is it's not you know it, it's not something where it's like okay you were zealous before you're not going to be zealous now no it's the same thing with charisma he was charismatic before it's not that christ changed his attributes but his attributes were being used for something completely different he took that what would have been a, a weakness to Christ's kingdom and made it a strength for Christ's kingdom. Right. And that is what I'm, you know, that's what I think all of us are trying to tell you, the listener. It's like, you know, as we've talked about in a previous podcast, we know the problems with modern religion. We know the problems with the modern church, but this goes beyond that. You see, if you have those strengths, now that you're a follower of Christ, those weaknesses that you view and that you're ashamed of, those aren't no longer things you need to be ashamed of. Those become, because like Ben said, you're, 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 uh, you're, you know, who you are and what makes you you is always going to be there. Christ is not going to change that. What he's going to do is take those strengths and he's going to apply those same strengths to your weaknesses so that your weaknesses become your strength. 
And then you're going to, and then you're going to take those weaknesses that are now strengths. And you're going to be able to go to people who are hurting or who don't have that peace that you may have now. And you're going to bring that to them yep. and it, to hell with whatever church is going to tell you that you're wrong. It's so much easier to recognize it when you've been through it. Exactly. And, and I'm not, and I'm not encouraging, I'm not encouraging anybody that hasn't been through it to go through it. Because that's that's not who you are at this point. That's not you know like if you're if you're already in church, if you've already found peace and joy through Christ, congratulations. But there are so many other people out there that are hurting and dying and thirsty and starving. Because I'm not just talking about Western Christians. Right. I'm not just talking about Western Christianity. There are so many people out there that need someone that's been through that. To, to help them. And, and you know, they say, well, you know, that's what you have Christ for. And, and Christ is always there. Christ is in your heart. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm talking about a tangible, physical person that isn't perfect, that has gone through the same thing, that recognizes it, but has had Christ pull them out of, of the mire, right. <laughs> out of the quagmire, you know, like out of the out of a pit. Pulls them out of a pit, and and they're looking for the same thing, but it, but they're not going to turn to Christ. They're going to turn to you because it's it's relatable. You know, it's like oh well, you know, I feel kind of weird. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to talk to Christ. Christ is Christ even real? No, but you're real. I mean, to them, Christ isn't real, but you're real to them because you're physically present. You're physically there. So like with you physically being there, the goal is. For them to see Christ through you. It, dude, that right there. That, I think that is the most important thing about being a follower of Christ. They see it through you. You're not telling them they're going to go to hell. That That's not what they need to hear at that moment. They need to hear exactly what Paul told the early church and people who didn't believe. It's all about love. Take it from me. I murdered people, but now you're I'm the, about wait, love. Oh, you're Paul. Oh, yeah, I'm Paul. I, yeah, come on. I didn't murder anybody. <laughs> I was like, whoa, confession I, on the podcast. I yeah. could I could not live with myself. Listener spike. That. He would <laughs> murder some chicken fried steak, though. <laughs> oh, with three yeah. eggs, yeah. yeah. Uh, I only had two, <sighs> well, and they were over medium. Well, at least you became a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's I, I, that's Ben, that's the entire point of what Jesus was telling us. If you love God and love others, they're going to see me through you. That's what Christ is saying. So when those sins that you have, those become your strengths. That's what people are going to be. That's how they're going to relate to you. And that's how you move forward. You can be a modern day Paul. I, I Take it from me. It's in the scripture. You can be a modern day Paul. You can be a saint, even if you're a sinner. It doesn't matter what the Olsteins and the Copelands and the Myers and your local church who is all about money. It doesn't matter what they think. They're nothing. They're just the sheep in the garden. You can be something great if you just let those sins that define who you are as a Christian become your strength so that people can relate to you. For $5 more, you can uh, <laughs> receive a, a, prayer uh, a, prayer, a prayer shout out. Prayer lubrication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, if you curse... You know, if you watch Disney, because Assembly of God hates Disney. Oh, yeah. If you listen to secular music. Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. If you listen to secular music, if you curse a little bit, if you have a couple beers on the weekend, if you, you know, if you if you put your toes in the mud a little bit, that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Okay? It doesn't mean that you don't belong in the kingdom. The people who sit next to the fire... <laughs> 
the bonfire next to you drinking a twinkle my toes in the mud pit a, na- a nasty ass miller light or a white claw while, while you're drinking a fresca a fr- or a fresca uh yeah but i mean if, if if those people are sitting next to you the the church the, these denominations that decide what makes a christian they say they're basing it off of the scripture but they're not Okay, they're taking a little piece of scripture and they're trying to conform it to their will so that they can mold you into what they want. Cookie cutters. Cookie cutter. If you're going to be, uh, if if you are a modern day Paul, which all of us can be, it doesn't matter. Go have a Miller Lite. Go sit next to those friends. Go listen to Romstein or Ghost or whatever oh you listen God. to, Terry. Um, <laughs> or ICP. You know, you listen Excelsior. to... Excelsior! Hey, you But all those things, all those things, uh, you got to understand when the church talks about the law, they're talking about the old law, which Christ fulfilled. Christ made that clear. See these? I already fulfilled them. I'm out. And then Christ went on his mission. So we don't, we're not bind by those laws. So don't worry about it. Let those weaknesses become your strengths and let those strengths define who you are as a Christian. And I promise you, people are going to hear you. They're going to relate to you. They need to hear this message because right now, if you haven't been paying attention, this world is hurting. And it could use Christ as he is intended to be taught, not what the church is trying to make it out to be. And you don't have to ask for a single dollar because it's not going to change anything. Yeah, get ready for the haters, though. Oh, look at us. Yeah, yeah. you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not a true Christian. Did you curse on your podcast? Oh my God. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, they warm it. They warm a pew on Sunday, but the rest of the six days a week, they spend their whole time judging. We all know them. They're called Karens. Oh yeah. Yeah. They can't (laughs) even, they can't even wait till after they can't even go 24 hours on a Sunday because the minute they get out of church, they go to your local Denny's or Applebee's. They tip, they, they buy $80 worth of food. They tip the waitress $2 and all they do is complain and make that person's life miserable. Yeah. Karen talks about Becky's red lipstick and what a slut she is. You know I mean? Like, come on, like the gossip is ridiculous. Oh man. man. And every church, it's, it's (laughs) terrible. It's the worst. And let me, those people are not a representation of followers of Christ. They're a representation of their church. I heard he was at the bar last night. So yeah. You smell his breath. Yeah. That's after. Shape. Ooh, I don't know. Right. He He's, does. He is a... sweating alcohol. Uh, he oh. likes to imbibe. <laughs> yeah, right. I've been told. Bless his heart. Oh, yeah, did, oh, did bless you? His heart. Did you hear about Sharon? Her son's gay. Bless oh. his heart. Should she be singing in the choir? Yeah, right. Should she be on the worship team? I think not. I mean, even in Billings, in our local community, there's a church here. It's the largest church in Billings. I know people personally who were involved in their church. They were doing great things. They had a pretty rough past. They were considered today's Pauls, but their oldest son came out gay. And guess what? Those deacons walked up and said, hey, we heard uh, your son is a homosexual. And they're like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, he's still a Christian, but he, you know, he has that. And, and they're like, should you well, really be coming see, to church? Yeah. Or, or should you really be in a position of leadership? And, and, nope. and, and that's exactly what happened. But you can still be a member. Just don't talk about it. Right. And that's what happened to them. And they ended up finding another church. And, and I'd find another church. Lickety split. But Stat. there's a lot of people under, out there who are under that, that guise of, uh, of some sort of Christian moral high ground. But they're being judged and they're being prevented to be the Pauls of the world because, oh my God, there's some sin in their life. And it's like, look, man. If, if homosexuality is what's keep uh, your son's homosexuality is what's keeping you from being a Paul. Don't go to that church. Stop paying attention yeah. to these freaking people because they don't, they're not, 
They're, they're there, not the ones to judge you. Right. And they're there for the image of their church. They're not there for you. They're not there for your spiritual growth. Paul did not listen to the early Christians who chastised him because of his past. He just said, well, I'm here to preach love and I got a mission. So either you're on board or you keep doing what you're doing. He didn't hold it against them because he understood where they came from. I understand where these churches are coming from when they're pulling that shit. I know what they're doing and I understand it. But that's not going to stop me from doing this podcast. It's not going to stop me from telling you, the listener, that if you're going through some shit, that shit is going to define who you are as a Christian once you follow Christ. So it doesn't matter to me what Faith Chapel or Harvest or whatever church says to me that their opinion is of the sin that I'm going through. That doesn't matter. It's my relationship with Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that works through me. And it's the people that I see who are in my similar shoes that I can help and bring to Christ. Yeah, and and and, and just follow a 100% responsibility to love them. Exactly. And that's, that's all you can, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah. Does it judge them? Nope. Nope. That's what happens, but love them. You do you know? mention hell when you talk to these people? Because I don't. Man, I don't. I don't say shit about hell. No, I don't care about hell. That hell is. A, they're already in hell. So when you tell them, well, if you don't believe in Christ, you're gonna go to hell. It's like, dude, yeah, they're already yeah, living in hell. About that, their life is already absent of hope That's, and, and peace and see, love. See, like uh, I had a youth pastor when I was a kid, fifteen, six. I was fifteen, sixteen years old, and uh, you know, like the. Uh, the witnessing, like we'd go out door to door witnessing, you know, witnessing is like uh, explaining to people about Christ and why they need Christ. And basically they're, you know, worthless pieces of shit unless they have Christ. Um, but uh, the, the question, the number one question, like the transitional question to use that we were coached, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? The morgue. <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. So like, no, first of all, that that tactic that transitional question uh first of all i mean you know like it, it it is an icebreaker it does open conversation but i think it steers it in the wrong direction because it automatically puts at, uh puts a person at odds and and forces them uh to make a decision right then and there and say no but they know full well that if they were to say no then they're going to get this like you know 6 minute long spiel about how christ is their savior and christ is going to bring them to heaven that's not what people need People don't need to choose between heaven and hell. They need to choose between Christ and everything else. Like, it's not like heaven and hell, like where it's like fear. You have, okay, well, I'm, I'd yeah, of course, I, I'm going to go to hell. Uh, anything else? <laughs> you know like what, what, i'm already in hell that's <laughs> like, that was my biggest fear when i was witnessing i was like well what if they're completely okay with going to hell <laughs> I mean, uh okay ha have a great day i guess keep living because hell kind of i've heard kind of sucks you yeah. know <laughs> here's like, a coupon for 20 percent off at denny's yeah right but ding so no i i mean questions like that like automatically put people at odds it automatically puts people on the defensive like you know mind your fucking business um i don't think that witnessing to people in that way is very effective at all um but it's the way that i was coached and i know for a fact that that there are listeners that if they ever went witnessing in, in youth group or or witnessing as a you know a church uh that they've had this, well, how do you start the conversation? Well, start the conversation this way. If you were to die tonight, no. Okay, so that's not an effective way to start a conversation with someone that needs Christ. And to determine if someone needs Christ, let's throw that out the window. 
you don't determine that. Okay. The, the, the time frame between what, you know, when someone needs Christ and when someone doesn't need Christ, that isn't, that, that's not us to determine. That's not us to judge. Uh, it's assumed everyone needs Christ, right? And, and, and I would agree with that statement. Everyone needs Christ. But, but at the point that they accept Christ or when they need Christ, that's, that's not for us to determine. That's a decision that's, that's theirs and theirs alone. That's a decision that they work out with, with Christ and Christ alone, not us. However, we can give waypoints. We can give markers. We can, we can say, you know, Hey, this is, this is, uh, you know, like I've been through this before in, in my life and, and this is what, what I did and it's really worked for me. But outside of that, it's not like we can say, you know, like you need to do this. You need to accept Christ because that automatically puts somebody in a position like, how the fuck, you know what I need. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you put those way markers down and, uh, whoever you're talking to doesn't follow them. They, uh, don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Well, they have no, they have no, they have no uh, concept or basis to even establish to answer a question like that or, or, or to acknowledge a, a commandment like that. Uh, because when, even when you look at the way Christ is teaching to people or when Christ is giving those examples uh, in his, uh, his conversations, it's uh, he's not telling you, you need to do this. He's just saying, do this. And he leaves it open for you to make the choice. Everything about this is a choice. If you like living in your turmoil and you find peace in, in, in worldly things and are just looking to live your 80 years and get off this rock, then by all means. But if you want to continue to live that life but have peace and joy throughout, then, yeah, there's a way you can do that. And check out, like you said earlier, Ben, they need to see Christ through you. It's not a matter of giving them this ultimatum. It's a, it's a matter of them saying, man, this shit in my life has been going on and I can't get out of this vicious cycle and I don't know what to do. And you can say, I was in the, I was in that cycle too. I'm still in the cycle, but at least when I'm in the cycle, I have a little bit of peace and joy. Yeah. Seeing an example of peace, joy, happiness, love, uh, seeing an an example of that, uh, is a whole hell of a lot more influential than being told what peace, joy, love, and happiness is exactly because peace, joy, love, and peace, joy, love, and happiness. And, you know, like that's, that's, perception it's all it's all relative you know like well peace for you may be different for me you know what i mean but but to see it to physically see peace joy love happiness like to see the example of that um that's far more influential or to to receive peace joy happiness and love from someone that that exemplifies it that that is far more influential than just words right and paul the reason why we bring the reason why we bring up Paul is because he he actually he was that example. Uh, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Ben, and you obviously don't have to answer this because I, I didn't I should have researched it before. But you know, didn't Paul talk about that? Uh, uh, he had a he I believe it's in Philippians. He uh, talks about person. You know, he not only lived the example, but he also um, explains to us even in those even in our perseverance. You know. You know, he taught. He doesn't say believing in God or believing in Christ is going to alleviate you from this. Uh, what, what's that verse again? Okay, so it's it's Romans. Oh, Romans. Like, yeah, Romans is where it was at. So, uh, 
And I, it's funny. I talked about Romans earlier, chapter mm-hmm. twelve. You know, he's talking about his his zealous behavior. Um, Romans chapter five, and then if you start there, you know, like uh, start at the very beginning of the chapter, it says he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So right there. Exactly. So right there, he's saying we stand in our hope that Jesus Christ has something better for us. However, (laughs) yeah, we are going to suffer because in our suffering, we get perseverance, perseverance, character and character brings hope. So what he's saying there is, you're still going to suffer. You're still going to go through that cycle that you can't break out of. But in that suffering, because we believe in Christ, we're going to get perseverance. With perseverance, develops our character to persevere. And in that character, we get that hope that we can make it through. In other words, God is not going to give us more than we can handle, right? It sucks, and that sometimes that seems like a bullshit thing to say. But if you just change that perspective of saying, well, like Paul did, well, yeah, you're never going to break out of this cycle. It sucks. Yes. But in that suffering, you're going to get that perseverance. Yeah. So, so to borrow, you know, an illustration, you know, that, that I used way back when, um, perseverance is required in order for you to, you know, to number one for you to appreciate where you've come from you know um but but then also have wisdom uh during the journey of where you're going um take for example a butterfly okay so it starts out as this nasty ass looking caterpillar you know weaves this cocoon the thing is if a butterfly does not fight its way out of the cocoon um when it is ready after the metamorphosis, it dies. Uh, it has to fight out of the cocoon in order to rise as a butterfly. So again, not to sound cheesy, uh, but perseverance builds character. Suffering builds character. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, make sure your life is as shitty as possible so that way you have the best character. Hit rock bottom first. All the ways up. But everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Now, I'm not getting cliche at this point, but what I'm saying is if you're going through some really shitty times or you're going through some some sin that you just cannot get over, keep in mind that you you you're still you could still be worked on. Like the, it's it's possible for that to be used. No matter how bad the sin is or no matter how bad your life is, it can still be used. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying everything happens for a reason. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is no matter how shitty your life is right now at this very moment, it can still be turned around by the love of Christ. Exactly. No, it, you're you're not being cliche because that, again, is another paradigm shift. It's not, um, you know, even when I said God won't give you more than you can handle, it's not about those cliches. Life's going to happen. People's free will is going to affect you. And there are some things that you cannot get over. There are some things that you are too much for you to handle. 
but it's it's how you rebound it's how you rebound from that it's how you persevere through that it's how you persevere through that suffering there are things that you will not be able to get over that and that's fine that's because other people's free will you cannot change that just like god cannot change their free will but through that suffering you gain that perseverance and like ben just said it's it's not about how much you can handle it's about how you persevere through what's thrown at you when you know when you cannot take any more and how are you going to change that perspective into your character that will build you hope for the future to get through that and to talk to other people who are going through that or who are just starting to go through what you went through so that their journey can be a little bit less hard and a lot more hopeful. Well, even if it's just as difficult and just as hard to go through, I know that 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 going through something difficult like that is a whole hell of a lot easier when you have somebody to go through it with. Ab- Dude, absolutely. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. Uh, abs- I mean, when you're going through something so terrible, and you and they know that there's somebody there that they can count on, that that's been there that can guide them through that, and then eventually, like. Ben said earlier, you, they start to see Christ through you and you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to give them an ultimatum. Uh, you have to do this or you need to do this. It won't, it, it'll never have to get to that. Josh, if you were to die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, well, Jack, you get about 120,000. Let's, let's uh, say that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm worth more dead than alive. Right, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I've been, I went to an assembly of God as well. And I've been, I've heard that. Um, but to circle this around, it, it all goes back to how would that church that I went to and, you know, the assembly of God, how would they view a modern day Paul? And that's why I don't go to that church anymore. Paul was a very deep individual in his metamorphosis and from becoming Saul, the zealot to Paul, the zealot or Paul, the apostle. And uh, to understand what he gave up and to understand what he had behind him and the sins that followed him and how he transformed those sins into his character, and which then gave millions upon billions of people hope. It's, uh, it's more than just some subtle or, you know, issues that we have with the church. Paul kind of set the standards. And I'll tell you, like I said in the last podcast, there are some issues I have with Paul's teachings. Um, and it's because sometimes I forget the context in which he was talking. You know, the church, the Philippians church was different than the, you know, the church in Corinth. And, and, and you know, so Paul had to speak to his audience. And, and sometimes we conflate the two and we think that he's talking to everybody all at once, uh, which, is, which is why it's important to understand the context of the Bible and understand the context of each letter. But to just spend, you know, 90 minutes talking about Paul uh, there, I, I could, I can have an entire series on Paul and maybe someday we will, but just a thousand yard overview of who Paul was and how instrumental he was and the example he set and that Christ set through Paul, you know, you, we, we have to, we have to spend a little bit of deep thoughts on it. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to mention that, you know, I do appreciate your guys' uh, knowledge on Paul. I mean, I, I, I didn't know shit about this guy no. other than watching the movie. I didn't have Kurt uh, Cameron or or looking at the uh, or looking at the picture. Yeah, on the, the internet. picture of uh, the internet. Josh, and, yeah, Josh but uh, or Kevin Sorbo. He's yeah, the new. Uh, <laughs> he's the yeah, new Kurt Cameron. Yeah. Oh, 
But I, I do. I, do. I, I appreciate your guys' knowledge on, on this topic and the topics that we'll be having. I mean, it's, it's uh, very informative to me, somebody that, uh, you know, doesn't follow Christ's teachings uh, as much as I probably should or feel like I should. But maybe I'll get there someday. But I do appreciate it. No, no, absolutely. We're, we're, uh, that's my goal. It's not for you to be a follower of Christ so much. That's your choice. But my goal is to for everybody, including Terry, who is my best friend, uh, to along with Ben. Yeah, I'm uh, just sitting over here. on Chop liver. Chop the, 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 my three liver. best friends. But it, that the, anyone could have. No, the reason why I do this, the reason why I've always wanted to do something like this is because I think that the church is only getting to 8% of people who need to hear and their behaviors and their and their their take on the gospel is ruining the other ninety percent of people who want to. So, you know, when we look at Paul the way he should be looked at, both historically and through uh, that paradigm shift that we've been talking about, you start to understand that, yeah, I mean, even the worst of society can can convert and then use what made them the worst of society into one of the strongest Christians out there. They become the saints. And I don't need some person who had a posh life in a monastery somewhere to go through a little bit of martyrdom to turn out to be a saint, to be some sort of example. I don't need a Kenneth Copeland to come down from his demons ivory tower. Yeah, demons in the tube in his ivory tower to come tell me how to be a Christian when he has not one single understanding of what it's like day-to-day struggle. Does he, Kenneth Copeland... Uh, he's, the, so, he's so far removed from... yeah. So from how, the day-to-day life of a normal human being. Do you like think he's he, so far removed? Yeah. Man. Do you think he ever had to live on commodities? Do you think oh, he ever had to deal no. with racism? Do you think he ever had to you deal with gang about, violence? Make a joke about government cheese, and he has no idea. No man. idea. He's I mean, like, uh, well, eh? yeah. Do you think he understands what it's like <laughs> to have to decide between a tank of gas or uh, or groceries for the week? Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, does, do you yeah, think he knows gas or milk, bread, and eggs? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he understands what it's like to un, you know to be dirt poor? I mean, outside of just the real definition of it, do you think he knew what it was Absolutely like? Absolutely not. Uh, hell no i mean he he's talked to millions of people and he could sit there and say i've gained my experience through the interactions it's like that's not an experience so no i that's why i do want to talk about paul and that's why you know the next podcast we're actually going to bring somebody in who did have a life afoot in the gangs it was somebody who had a hard life and and somebody who who had to rise out of sin and become a modern day saint as we understand them to be. Um, so next week we're going to continue this series. We're going to continue to talk about sinners make the best saints and the next four podcasts, we are going to have special guests on who are, we're going to interview and we're going to talk about that, that struggle. They're going to talk about their past sins and they're going to talk about what defines them today as a Christian, how they overcame that and what message they can send to you so that you, the listener, if you are going through this, or if that that uh, issue with the church is keeping you from a relationship with Christ, these people can actually walk you through on how they got through it and better their life. Yeah, and and uh, on that note too, I, I'm I'm dying. I I'm begging for for input, uh, suggestions, comments. Um, uh, where you you want us to take this uh, this podcast uh, topics that we we have not discussed or we have not thought about it may not be addressed right away in the next podcast but it'd definitely be addressed uh, in the near future if if it's a, a topic that we take and and uh, and we can really uh, uh, address or elaborate on 
um i i would love i would love some interaction um you know like on our on our grit pages you know whether that be instagram facebook twitter uh wherever just uh comments leave a comment leave a suggestion even if you uh uh, does maria respond to the to the like the dms like the the grit dms slide into our dms (laughs) <laughs> now now the uh, the special guest when you talk about them being a former gang, gang member it's not going to be Ben when he was part of the Newsies was it uh, <laughs> uh, Omaha uh, Heights nobody should the, know the apple that. dumpling gang that that <laughs> yeah guest speaker and me <laughs> the Rolls no, Royce no, Reds no, no, yes. it's, it's, it's not me Malibu's our, most wanted yeah, over yeah, here or, or is it Josh's uh, time when he, that he spent with the Juggalo Nation the ju- Hialeah Heights, <laughs> yeah, and his, uh, uh, high-rise condo yeah. or Terry With palm trees in his living room atrium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but more to come. We'll talk about it uh, next podcast. And a um, uh, big shout out to our listeners right now. Yeah, absolutely. Tell we, your friends. Uh, yeah, we appreciate all of you who listen. We appreciate all of you who take the time. Uh, but please reach out to us on social media as well. Uh, you don't have to try to hunt us down and talk to us. You know, let us know on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, give us your opinions. Anything you, you want to talk about? Anything uh, you want discussed or, or uh, addressed? <laughs> this is grit. <laughs> Raw, unpolished. Christianity. Uncircumcised. <laughs> Grit. Grit.